0: A start on demand. on demand Guilty of second-degree murder. It only took the jury 2 hours to come down with that verdict for Brett Overby, the man who killed Christine Wood, and as we hear from her family, they're calling it justice. Should young people have access to free birth control? The Canadian Pediatric Society says yes. Would a flexible schedule make your job more appealing? Or perhaps the ability to leave early on Fridays? A new survey has some interesting findings about what kind of perks people would like for the summer. And if you hear the terms benching or submarining, would your first reaction be, oh yeah, those have to do with dating? Because, as Hal Anderson explains, they do. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb, who is back in studio today after co-hosting from home for four days, and Greg Mackling, who's still in Europe, we are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, May 9th podcast for the start. Mackling still in Europe. McNabb is here. Isn't it nice
1: to see me, Brett? Yes, it is. Not just hear me
0: in studio. But see me? For the first time <laughs> since last Thursday. Was it Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So you have been working. You've been co-hosting from home Mm -hmm. because why?
1: My husband uh, has a job that requires him to take a call shift every once in a while. And so we've been managing that without, well, no, with some difficulty over the last nine months since I moved to radio. And so finally, uh, we came up with the solution this week to test out that technology at home and it worked ish yeah I think it worked um
0: the first day we had some hiccups the first because day they, we had some hiccups yes because you ended up with kind of the uh the the we have this technology that we use, like, when we go on location for mm-hmm. something and do the the odd cut-in, but for an entire broadcast, you need something with a bit more power.
1: Yes. So we usually use, like, just a cell phone technology, and so I live out of town, and anyone knows, I mean, you, you can drop a signal in Winnipeg, yeah. let alone when you go anywhere outside the perimeter. I mean, I often lose a call, like, just as I cross... The perimeter. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh, hang on. We're in the dead zone in St. Norbert. I don't understand. But so, yeah, that was the problem for the first day. But then we hardwired in and the stress wasn't the technology. Um, you know, I, it was funny because people go, oh, working from home must be nice. That's usually the response I think a lot of people might get because there's the assumption that you can sit on your laptop and have the TV in the background and like a bag of chips or something next to you. And so, but for me, I I found it super stressful because I couldn't see you. I couldn't see the computer system that we use And then of course I've got the kids. The whole reason I'm at home is I've got two young kids. Yeah. So if, if, if my husband gets called out, who's watching the kids at four in the morning when exactly. I'm supposed to be driving to work. And so the, some of the stresses were like, remembering, like I, I, I had them on a very big schedule, like 725, wake up, check your clock. If it's not 725, go back to bed. 745, get dressed. I'll be up at 802 at 802 to 805. You must be out the door and don't make any noise. Right? So they were great. <laughs> Yeah. They did not once knocked on the door. My husband, on the other hand. oh Well, I don't know what he was thinking, but at one, one point, one day, I had to set up. We had uh, company spending the night. So I set up in the bedroom, and I was, like, squeezing the corner between the closet and the bathroom. And he <laughs> knocks on the door and comes tiptoeing in and makes this signal like he has to go to the bathroom. Like... <laughs> And I'm and you're talking to me, like we're live on air, and he's mouthing something to me, and I'm mouthing something back. And I'm like, and finally I'm I realize he wants to use the washroom. And we have three bathrooms in our house., yeah. And I'm like, so you wanted to come into the room with like that I'm using with a microphone hot? I don't understand. like what's so the kids are great. The husband was like, I just didn't want to wake up everybody else. I said, so we wanted to go use the toilet live on air? Like, I'm not certain about that
0: rationale. So it wasn't a picnic.
1: It wasn't a picnic, but it was good for other reasons. Like I said to you, it was so nice to um, to have the luxury every once in a while to see your kids off in the morning. I really missed seeing them. Yeah. Like, you know, they're sleeping when I go. But on the other hand, like I, I said to you, I, when I said to you yesterday, like, I'm so sweaty because I was running up and down the stairs and trying to organize things and the technology's not working. And Fortier's calling me being like, we can't hear you. He's still smiling yeah <laughs> Big he's still smiles. yeah but it's not it's no picnic i'd love to hear from other people who make it work from home with what kinds of jobs when i went looking yesterday it's like 19 percent of canadians now work from home Yeah. so what are they doing and how do they make that work and are their husbands using the washroom while they're on a conference call those kinds of things
0: yeah i i well given that i work early mornings my girlfriend also happens to work an early shift as well and uh, that's one of the reasons why we decided that kids just wouldn't work for us. I mean, I don't I just simply don't want them and she doesn't either, but it was reinforced by the fact that if we're both working super early, how is that going to work? Mm-hmm. What like one of us would have to would have to change our career probably. And
1: there are people or you really have to lean on family or find solutions, you know. In other ways, like there are people who work shifts all over the city, right? We have guys who write it in the morning who are already on the road yep. with their trucks or garbage trucks and all the rest. And if they have children, it, I'm presuming there's a spouse at home. And if they don't, is their grandma at home? Like, how is that working? Right. When yeah. you go, no daycare is going to say, yeah, I'll take your kids at 4 a.m.
0: Yeah. So let us so know. So the drop four. offs
1: 4 a.m. I'll be seeing you about 4, 4.15. <laughs> I'll bring coffee if that helps. No daycare is saying yes to that.
0: Let us know, 204-780-6868. Did you get the emergency alert on your phone?
1: No. no. Not at all. And I haven't gotten a single one, and so... I, uh, but uh, but I also have not done the things that they say, like call your provider and double check to see if it's working and all the rest. And for me, the only reason why it's not that I'm trying to be like, oh, I, I'm against this technology or this sound. I think it's a great tool, mm-hmm. especially you know I, we live in an area that's had had tornadoes touched down before for those kinds of things. We're in a flood zone, and so I get it. But for me, it's um, I, I get so many alerts through the news, yeah. and so I'm I maybe I'm overconfident in the fact that I would be aware. Of whatever's coming because of all the different systems I have just through the news yeah. to hear what's happening.
0: Yeah, I don't actually know how you manage all the notifications you get on your phone, uh, but whenever something's happening, but McNab is the first one in the building who seems to know <laughs> because she's subscribed to so many things it's on Twitter and things, emails. Yes. But uh, did you I, get it? I got it, but I didn't get it until like I was. So I was here yesterday recording the Couch Potatoes newest podcast. Is up by the way and i heard it at 155 like mm-hmm. on, on schedule because it ran on our radio station and i looked down at my phone and waited and waited and then figured out not getting it and then i checked i think it was around 230 and I, I believe I got it at 2.26 on my phone. I had a notification from the... these these. Whenever I get these emergency alerts, they seem to come from the through the Weather Network right. app.
1: that's Someone else just wrote to say that's how they got their signal yesterday.
0: But I didn't get it until 2.26 and it didn't make any noise because I had my notifications muted and I thought that...
1: So, But remember in the fall or something happened earlier this year where there was an Amber Alert and you had your phone on silent I thought and you still got it. It woke I you did. up.
0: Yeah, and I don't think I got that one through the Weather Network. That was just to like an Like the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, Yeah. so I didn't get a full-blown emergency alert. I just got it through the Weather Network app. So I don't know. I, I guess it kind of worked for me. So I probably need to check as well to see if I need to change anything on my phone because I've had my phone now for maybe a month. I got a new phone, and I haven't bothered to check if there's something I need to well,
1: we've asked the province if they can let us know what percentage of Manitobans that they estimate may have received it yesterday because that's part of the ongoing testing system to make sure more and more people are getting it. But you're still going to have an issue of folks who are in dead cell zones in this province. How many times have we heard from Manitobans who who get, you know, unless they're underneath the tower, can't get a sing, single bar, right? And so no matter how good the system is, there's still going to be bad cell systems out there that don't accommodate.
0: And when we asked about that yesterday, the suggestion was, well, that's why we put it out on radio and television as well, but you can't... You're not always going to have something on.
1: Yes, you should. You should always have CJOB on,
0: running through your dreams at night. Well, okay. uh, How about that? that? I can endorse that. Yes.
1: (laughs) Just You'd be waking up singing jingles and doing imitations
0: of Brett and all sorts of things. (laughs) Somebody once told me that their dog used to go to sleep listening to me when I was on Overnight. So I would do the Overnight News.
1: Is that a a compliment? I think so.
0: I don't know. They meant it as an insult. Like, you even put our dog to sleep, Brad. (laughs) See, uh, I
1: took it more like you have a soothing voice.
0: Let's go with that. Yes. Always look on the bright side. Maybe
1: not, you know, alerting people to anything, but soothing.
0: We start this half hour With a mom and dad of Christine Wood who are waking up this morning knowing the man accused of killing their daughter has been found guilty of murder.
1: Her dad, George Wood, saying at the very least, it's brought them a sense of justice.
2: It's a wonderful day today for my family. Our daughter, Christine, got justice today. That's all we we all were hoping for. I know it's not going to bring her back, but she's and I'm very glad to, see, to hear that she's, been, she's always been loved. The whole, I don't know, the whole country, I could say, yeah. has shown her love towards our daughter. And it's not fair what happened to her. And I'm, and I'm very grateful that there was justice for her today. I'd like to thank the Crown Attorney Friend Davidson and Chantel, I'll say we're okay. bringing for the effort to bring justice to our to our daughter Christine.
0: Now, the jury just took just two hours to render that verdict. Global's Brittany Greenslade was in the court when the verdict came down and shares the emotion of this moment. It
3: was a room filled with tears and an audible sigh of relief as the jury foreman stood up and read aloud, Brett Overby guilty of second-degree murder, ending a two-and-a-half-year nightmare for Christine Wood's family. It's the moment Christine Wood's family has been waiting for since the 21-year-old was killed. JUSTICE FOR THEIR DAUGHTER.
2: THAT'S ALL we, WE ALL WERE HOPING FOR. I KNOW IT'S NOT GOING TO BRING HER BACK, BUT SHE'S, AND I'M VERY GLAD TO SEE, TO HEAR THAT, she, that she's, been, SHE'S ALWAYS BEEN LOVED.
3: FOR SEVEN DAYS, MELINDA AND GEORGE WOOD AND THEIR FAMILY SAT THROUGH THEIR DAUGHTER'S MURDER TRIAL, HEARING HORRIFYING DETAILS OF HER DEATH AND TESTIMONY FROM HER KILLER, BRETT OVERBY.
4: IT'S EXCRUCIATING BECAUSE, YOU KNOW, THIS IS NOT HOW ANYONE WANTS TO REMEMBER A LOVED ONE. TO HEAR HOW SHE SUFFERED AND HOW MANY TIMES THAT SHE WAS INJURED AND and TO WHAT EXTENT. VERY, VERY HURTFUL TO A FAMILY THAT I KNOW THAT LOVED AND CARED FOR CHRISTINE SO MUCH.
3: THEY HAVEN'T SEEN THEIR DAUGHTER SINCE AUGUST 2016 WHEN SHE DISAPPEARED. THEY SEARCHED AND PLEADED FOR INFORMATION FOR 10 MONTHS, NEVER GIVING UP HOPE. Hope THEY held ON TO THROUGHOUT THE TRIAL.
2: IT'S NOT FAIR WHAT HAPPENED TO HER. But I'm, but I'M VERY GRATEFUL THAT THERE WAS JUSTICE FOR HER TODAY.
3: AND FOR THE FAMILY AND MANY IN THE INDIGENOUS COMMUNITY, IT WAS THE BEST THEY COULD ASK FOR, SAID WOOD'S FAMILY RELATIVE SHEILA NORTH.
4: THIS IS THE OUTCOME THAT ALL FAMILIES OF MISSING AND MURDERED INDIGENOUS WOMEN AND GIRLS WANT. Um, OF COURSE, WE WANT THEM TO BE HOME INSTEAD, BUT WE WANT ALSO JUSTICE FOR THE ONES THAT ARE NOT, not SOLVED
3: second-degree murder comes with a mandatory life sentence. Now, a judge will determine Brett Overby's parole eligibility at a sentencing hearing on July 2nd. We're told the two families met briefly after that verdict was read, just to wish each other well, just a few spoken words.
0: That was Global's Brittany Greenslade, and as you just heard, a conviction of second-degree murder brings with it an automatic life sentence, but with second-degree murder, there is a parole eligibility that could come after 10 years.
1: That decision is up to the judge, and part of the decision process will include what's known as a GLADU report. Overby's lawyer asked for that yesterday, explaining to the court that his client says he's of Indigenous descent. Now, these reports are used for Indigenous offenders, and they include background on the family. Like, was there a residential school system as part of the family history, or was CFS part of that history? Were there extenuating circumstances with poverty growing up, substance abuse, or other? And that Gladue report is then used to form a sentence. Again, Overby can't get parole before he's served at least 10 years. And it's also possible the judge could say no to parole for that entire 25-year life sentence. We'll be speaking more with a member of Christine's family just after eight, and we'll get her thoughts on possible sentencing and how they'd like the 21-year-old to be remembered because I I know going forward for them, they very much want people to remember for her for who she was and not how her life ended, Brett.
0: Now, this parole eligibility after 10 years, the judge can say at sentencing that, Like how does it work? And does a judge determine before they go to jail you have parole eligibility or no?
1: Yeah, you'll have he'll determine when when your first crack at parole is, and so that's the only part about sentencing that's so. A first degree murder comes with automatic life, no chance of parole. Second degree murder has a bit of this flexibility, which is why then uh, Overby would be trying to ask for this Gladue report because that could change the judge's decision or influence the judge's decision as to whether or not he should be able to get parole earlier or later. And so there's a bit of wiggle room there for a judge to be a bit more lenient, I guess might be the word, or just say, no, like this crime, crime was heinous. And then, you know, you're going to go for the full 25. So that's coming in July.
0: And then after the, that is let, let's say that's yeah. what happens.
1: Say they say 10 years. Is that what you're saying? No, for like let's say,
0: let's say they say no parole. And then 10 years later, is can that door be reopened, or is that door shut for so, the whole twenty five? The years?
1: way I understand it is the door shut. Okay, but then also that you know, as we've seen in countless court cases. There's appeals and there's all sorts of things that might change down the road with the sentencing decision. Uh, As I understand it, that's a good question. We should put that out there. Is it possible that the judge would say too bad and still he could face parole after a certain period of time? Uh, We'll see if we can get to the bottom of that. I know for families, the question of parole is important too because they want to know, you know, when am I going to have to revisit this, right? So say say it's 15 years. Okay, well then they can put in their calendar, so to speak, I don't want to think about this person, not that they won't, but I don't want to deal with the court system until then because families get are very big in the parole process, speaking to the parole board, explaining their feelings and victim impact statements. And so the reason why it's so important to put the weight on whether or not he'd be eligible for, for parole after a certain period of time, you have to also take into account the family in that circumstance and how they would feel to have to go back to court after 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, so on. This morning, we know the mom and dad of Christine Wood are waking up, at least knowing that Brett Overby, who was charged with killing their daughter, has actually been found guilty of second-degree murder. But of course, for them, there are still questions about Brett Overby's sentencing, his parole eligibility, and how family will, if ever, move on. Sheila North is a relative of Christine Wood and joins us this morning. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning, so let's start with Christine. And I know th- you mentioned yesterday that during a trial, so many things get said and, and accusations made, and, and the family had to hear a lot about the final moments of Christine's life. How would you and, and her mom and dad like her to re- be remembered going forward?
4: But she was a very shy, uh, but a beautiful uh, spirit and, and soul of a, of a girl. She she loved her family and um, she was very much you know hopeful for a bright future. She wanted a family you know so she was a typical young woman who was setting out for a good life ahead of her, but also wanted to make friends, but at the same time, knowing very well she was shy. she grew up in an isolated community and and a lot of us that come from from that setting you know' we 're very hopeful, but we 're not sure of how to approach life because we don 't know what city life is so yeah, she, you know, she had a lot of hope, and, but she also had a lot of, um, I guess, unknowns that she she had to be forced to to try and figure out.
0: What was your reaction at how quickly the verdict was turned
4: around? Well, I think that that's what we were hoping for. In fact, we were hoping to, to be much sooner. But, you know, mm-hmm. two hours is pretty good. Um, when they first announced what the verdict was, um, I think a lot of us gasped because um, that's what we were hoping for. But at the same time, I believe some of us were a little skeptical. But, you know, in, waiting in that short time, it was, it was just the right amount of time for us to regroup.
1: I understand that we looking at some of your pictures on Twitter yesterday Sheila I know the family was waiting in Candace House which was the facility set up by the mom of Candace Dirksen so that families like like the Woods and yours could have a safe place to rest during court proceedings what's that experience like as you're you're in that facility but also just I'm only assuming right on edge on pins and needles waiting to hear what a jury might decide
4: yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place, a very nurturing place, and the staff and, and even just the atmosphere is very, very kind. I can't imagine what it's like uh, for people and families that were in the same situation before Candace House. You know, I think we need more of these kind of places. Um, but yeah, it was very tense a few times, but it was it allowed. For the family to have, you know, elders around and and food. We, we, a few of us brought comfort food from the north. We had pickerel for lunch one day. We had someone brought moose stew. Someone brought moose casserole. But all the other regular stuff that you would find here in the city. But, you know, it was a place to just unwind for a bit and and just be and 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 um, even though it was tense sometimes, it was a very a good place to, to stop for a minute and, and just uh, be with each other. And then when we were all waiting at the time, like I said, it it felt a little bit better. And even afterwards, you could tell the air was just completely different when everything was all said and done.
1: Well, there would be that tension resting over everyone for months now. Still a sentencing to get through, Sheila. And we know second-degree murder comes with a life sentence with no chance of parole for at least 10 years. But that parole eligibility is now up for the judge to decide. And one thing we heard yesterday is that Brett er- Overby... Uh, is saying he's of Indigenous descent, so he wants to have that Glad you report, which we know kind of looks at the personal history of someone who might be an Indigenous offender, you know, whether there's residential schools in their background or substance abuse or poverty. What are your thoughts on this as you go forward and wait to hear what that parole might be for Brett?
4: Well, I can't speak for the others, and, and, and even uh, George and Melinda, and we had a brief discussion about it. I encourage them to not worry about it too much, to just to... Be thankful for, at the moment for what what what's just happened, but you know in the back of my mind, as you know, in everything that I've heard, in my history of what I know about things, um, you know this 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 situation, the Gladue report, comes into play from what I know for exactly what you just said, for people that had had a long history of poverty and being impacted by residential schools. And I don't know Brent Overby's history or even the family. Um, I was surprised, as as, of, as was many of us in the gallery, that he claims Indigenous an- ancestry. But there's nobody in, on Earth that can question that. If that's what he is, then that's what he is. But that's not what was clear to us. And to me, when, when that comes into play, it's someone that has has had lived in poverty but he owned a vehicle he had a job long term for over 10 years so obviously he didn't have any problems getting a job and he owned his own house since he was a very young man so these are not the things that someone that has had a long hard life would have at such an early age so i don't want to prejudge but those are in the back of my mind and i think that all of that hopefully will come into play before a uh, decision because we don't want to make the Gladue report and and, and paint it as, a, as an easy out type of, um, you know, um, loophole for anybody.
1: Appreciate that, Sheila. Very conscientious response. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you very much.
0: Sheila North joining us live on 680 CJOB, relative of Christine Wood. McGary McNabb, Macklings in Croatia, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, Jeff Fortier, and Hal Anderson, host of Hal Anderson Afternoons one to four weekdays on six eighty CJOB, found a survey on summer perks that workers want the most. What do workers want from their employers this summer? Poutine. No. Poutine. A uh, poutine ball. I just wanted to, oh. Kelly just gave An me a early really... getaway on oh, Friday. He didn't like my poutine and slip no. and slide.
5: <laughs> that's, that could be taken in a number of ways that's a great suggestion uh, i'd love to come
0: out in the hallway and yeah. just see
1: jeff like coming in
6: on yeah. <laughs> i missed the slip and slide
0: oh my god oh, so this is a recent survey from staffing for an account temps and uh, employees said the best summer perks their companies could provide to them are as follows 52 percent say flexible schedules Twenty-seven percent leaving early on Fridays. Eleven percent a more relaxed dress code, and then ten percent say activities like a company picnic or potluck. And for for us here in this room, some of these don't necessarily yeah. apply because yeah. we already can uh, we already have a relaxed dress code, which for me I think is great uh, because I feel really stiff when I wear dress clothes. I don't mm. know about you guys. I f- so we're like we, we we need to be able to be. Creative, I wish we you know. had
1: a dress code. Yeah. You Yeah, you guys in your golf shirts are annoying yeah. me. No, I'm kidding. we were any more relaxed
5: we're being pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Says the employee who leaves clothes scattered
1: everywhere
5: around. I like the
1: to look at your desk. Uh, Kelly is an extension of my desk. Yeah,
0: yes. it, it is. Yeah. Uh, but flexible schedules. So that one's interesting. So with a flexible schedule, does that mean like where you can just sort of set your own hours?
1: I think so. I yeah. think I think it would be like on some weekends, it wouldn't just be leaving early, but maybe you do an early Friday and a late Monday, or if there's an event in the summer and you want to, on a Wednesday, like people have barbecues and things like that, you could just flex time it a, a little there. Like a lot of corporations offer that. If you're in sales or marketing or those kinds of things, everybody in my family has like other kinds of jobs where their summers are way, feel way wow. more enjoyable to me. Like they're always, I'm like, are you working? <laughs> yeah. Like, does anybody actually at work, but they work from home or they take, you know, put in 50 hours one week and 40 the next might be the oh, way okay. it goes, right? Yeah. Or 30 the next. 30 the next,
0: yeah. 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 yeah, with the leaving early on Fridays, I remember, and I think that's something that we do in Still this happens. building, <clears throat> but we have like, we have our sales and administration side where yeah. they, they work like, Typical office hours, right? Like one mm. to four kind of thing. And so the leaving early can apply to them. And I remember when we were at our old building, uh, nine, was it 930 Portage? Was that the address? Yep. yep. Uh, so we had a small parking lot in the back where all the managers and the, the big wigs would park. And by 12 o'clock on Friday, it Got would be it. That empty. Was, yeah. And you
1: were all like shaking your fist out the window because you're still inside, not you, eh?
5: eh nah. Yeah, it just gave us more... Well, it gave the smokers more room to uh, <laughs> to do their thing.
0: Well, yeah. it actually also allowed... Uh, the commoners to park in the back. Yeah,
5: that's we true. Like, yeah, yep. You didn't have to worry about getting your car towed on Portage Avenue at 335. Remember all those panic notes? Brett, your car's getting towed away. All of a sudden you hear the, the scurrying of feet running through the doors. Don't take it! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was actually
0: a, part, a stressful oh. situation. Parking oh, man, it way. was. Yeah. But let, so let's say, Jeff Braun, you, you didn't work. until 11.45. Yep. You worked a common, typical 7 to 3, 8 to 4 sort of day. Would you rather have a flexible schedule or leave early on Fridays?
7: Uh, I would probably just prefer to leave early every Friday. Yeah. Yeah, because... I don't know. That just makes the weekend a little bit longer and gives you something to look forward to already on on Thursday. So I I think that would be the best for me.
1: At least around the long weekends. Like we even talked about, so the May long is next weekend, and you and I were debating, like, I'd like to take Friday, and you want to take Tuesday. Like how do we... Negotiate making it a little bit more out of the long weekend at the very least. Yeah,
5: yeah, uh, no, that makes sense. Would
1: you rather? Which would you rather? I'd
5: rather have an early getaway Friday. Yeah, you don't yeah. know
1: how to leave early, Kelly.
5: I, you know what though? Fridays, I tend to get out of here a little earlier than like I do two? through. The, yeah. After a 10 hour day?
1: (laughs) I like to work 11 hour days on Friday, says Kelly. (laughs) Not my usual routine. I'm not picking on you. I'm suggesting Uh, get out of here. Yeah, Yeah. well,
5: that was my idea of getting out early. But no, but I I think the early uh, takeoff on Friday is the one that probably most workers. Would like, although I would think maybe um, you know people in, in Loren's situation with younger kids, you would want that flexibility in the summer, mm-hmm. especially when they're out of school. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, the daycare thing becomes really hard yes, in the summer does. to yeah. manage. So yeah. if you could do you know half days here and there and that kind of thing, it might be because the costs go up in the summer with daycare and and that kind of
0: stuff. Yeah, right. I guess it really wonders what your lifestyle is. A flexible schedule would be great uh, for somebody who is who likes av- is an avid outdoors kind of person in the summer and say they they have a friend who's on vacation and wants to go golfing on a Wednesday morning Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you could say well I got a flexible schedule I'll just go in at noon sure and deal with and make up those hours later
5: or you know when you have the when you're sharing the the cottage at the lake with the family one week you have it the next week you don't so work extra the week you're in town so that you can have those extra days out of the lake for the following week type of thing. So you know, and most managers, I think, if they're good managers, they'll say, "Listen, what you do with your time is your business, as long as you get the work done."
1: Yeah, you Archie, what would yours include? Just a bunch of McDonald's gift cards for summer perks?
6: Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would take. I would take off uh, getting off at uh, Fridays early because I love my weekends and love getting out of here as soon as possible. Yeah.
0: More staff activities. Did anybody see that as a. As like a perk?
1: barbecues or something? Slip and well, slides?
0: That, yeah, that would be fun. But yeah, I, I kind of think that the activities should just be a year round thing, not necessarily a, a summer thing
7: because. And especially in summer because at any given moment during the summer, there's what, like 15% of the staff are on vacation anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think
1: they should find a way to, what? How, what's the word I'm looking for? Like fan the smell of barbecue through the building all summer long.
7: <laughs> no, not unless there's a payoff. That drives me just nuts. Just a tease? I go for a walk and I smell my neighbor's barbecuing. And it's just, true, all like, right? I just turn around and go home and fire up my own barbecue. Yeah. You, no, you don't a... crash
5: the party? Hi, no. I'm Jeff.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for
5: inviting me. I can't tell you how many times. I, I take I... cheese
7: on my burgers?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I've
1: gone out for lunch, uh, especially when we were down at 201 Portage, and you're like, I'm going to go get a salad or something, yeah. and you walk right by a hot dog cart, oh. and you're just like, oh, yeah. and you come back in, they're like, are you eating a hot dog? I thought you were going for a salad. I was like,
5: the smell. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the smell.
5: The hot dog won me over. You can't ignore yeah. that. It yeah, had me at fried onions. He had
1: me at smoke. I don't know. I was in.
0: Hal Anderson of Hal Anderson Afternoons found this survey from Accountemps a staffing firm in the U.S., and workers were asked, what is the best summer perk that companies could offer? And their responses were 52% flexible schedules, 27% said leaving early on Fridays, 11% said a more relaxed dress code, and 10% said activities like a company picnic or potluck, or as Jeff Braun suggested, a slip and slide down the hall. Mm-hmm hmm Which I, I, the more I think about it, the more I really like that idea.
1: Well, I just think it, you know, for us, an early Friday still means we're here at like our normal hours, right? Yeah. And so I think if I could exit on a slip and slide, weekend is made.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Like a, you know, like a, like a actual slide, wet.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd I mean, be a great way to exit the building. Then you're and then, in your
1: car all wet, driving home, kind of annoyed, but you'd have a beachy feeling.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you had a convertible, that'd be, you could just put the top down.
1: Maybe they should give us all convertibles.
0: Oh, well, that's a perk I can get behind.
1: (laughs) Well, it was interesting because I went looking. So uh, Fortune 1000 companies, uh, they did a survey of them in the States, and they found 40% 40 of them now offer either an early Friday or a flexible Friday, which I think uh, everybody could get on board up. They also put a link to this article about different fun things that companies are doing. So there's one in the States that sends its employees to a summer camp.
0: Okay. So it's
1: a work week. Yeah. So it's like saying we still need you to work, but we're going to put you in a situation where it's like almost like a retreat. Okay. So you're by a lake and you're doing that kind of thing. Okay. Um, Another one gives employees in this company called Moz, reimburses workers for vacations up to $3,000 a year. So they pay for your vacation.
0: Holy smokes. And you're probably getting paid for the vacation time as well. I would
1: think so. So you get paid for your vacation. KPMG in 2018 gave all of its employees in the summer $500 to use on an online portal to purchase a variety of gift options, including an American Express gift card. So you could just put the money towards an American Express gift card. So it was like cash. Wow. So these aren't just like flex Fridays or free Fridays or summer Fridays. These are full-on paid, enjoyable times. Well,
0: and I think that's um, that's good that there are companies that are that yeah. are realizing that. And I think uh, Dennis sort of nails it here when he emailed us Brett at CJOB.com, McNabb at CJOB.com, and he says we don't talk or think enough about the adverse effects of our work lives on our health. He read a book uh, called The End of Work by Jeremy Rifkin 20 years ago, and he says, I've been working four days a week all year for many years. Yes, at a reduced salary, but it's been a small price for health and happiness. And we've all seen colleagues who worked, 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 and then retired and soon after expired, as he puts it.
1: Hey, there's a study that's out that actually if you retire uh, at a certain age, your odds of a heart attack within three years go up because the stress you've built up over that lifetime of work and then leaving, it's, it's kind of the same way Uh, have you ever gone on a vacation and you find yourself sick? So your body fights off germs and illnesses while you're working. And then as soon as you're relaxed, your body says, okay, now I'm going to hit you with the flu. Like that happens to me at least once a year where I'll be away or the summer cold will come. Didn't have it at work, but I have it in the summer. And so there's some studies that have shown you retire and then that's you get hit with that heart attack or you get hit with that other illness because your body's been struggling so hard to sort of fight back. And now you have this little bit of freedom. And next thing you know you're ill or dead
0: wow that is fascinating and frightening and depres- depressing yeah so this is the lesson make sure you retire by a certain age or else
1: or maybe we just need some four-day work weeks
0: yeah i, could, I, I like feel the- like
1: the boss is driving to into work as we speak it is cringing during this entire conversation <laughs> i might i want a camp day i want a convertible i want a slip and slide and at the very least two hours off on
0: friday there we go make it happen boss <laughs> We're going to talk drones in a minute, but what's this thing that the Bear Clan has put out?
1: Yeah, I've got a call out to the Bear Clan this morning because last night the Bear Clan Patrol put out on Twitter a couple photos of what they're saying is A improvised weapon, basically. The tweet says, we took our first zip gun off the street today. If it was fired, it probably would have killed the user. It has been turned over to WPS for destruction. And the photos they've posted, uh, it looks like a couple of different pieces of wood taped together, and it appears to be spring-loaded with... What looks like a screw and maybe some nails, and at the very end it has um, a deadbolt. And obviously, it's it's meant to shoot something for, or to, maybe a piece of metal or other onto who, whomever. So we've got some calls out to the Bear Clan. First of all, I mean, thank thank them for what they do. Yes, pulling this off the street is is incredible, but also how often are we seeing things like this? Is this something that is quite common on the streets where people are making up sort of makeshift weapons? And what would be the impact of something like this if it were to have been fired? So uh, we've asked James Favell if he can come on and speak with us this morning. And, and we'll put some calls out to Winnipeg Police too because we know they've talked in the past about a rise in guns on the street, but also people modifying weapons. And, and that can be, it's scary for anyone on the receiving end of that. But also you modify a weapon, you're... you're Putting your own life at risk as well. And that was the Bear Clan's point, that it would have killed the, the person trying to use it.
0: Yeah, like this looks like something that would have just been... It looks like something that you would see, and I'm not trying to make light of this by referencing it, but it looks like something that that a madman would make in a dark, dank basement, right? Mm-hmm. Like trying to sneak a weapon in uh, through security. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it, it looks like... Just a bizarre, really scary looking thing. So we're, we'll uh, retweet that on our 680CJOB account, and then we can put some pictures of it up on our Instagram as well. So you can have a look at just exactly what this bizarre. Frightening looking weapon is...
1: I'm actually not trying to segue to our next segment, but it makes sense. It, con- it reminds you of something, you know, because it's taped together with electrical tape and string and different pieces of items may be found in a yard or house. It also reminds you of something, when you know, that you, you imagine if you're in prison, mm-hmm. you come up with a makeshift weapon or a shiv yes. or whatever, right?
0: Yep. No, perfect.
1: So we've been talking about prisons this morning because uh, federal prisons in Canada are going to install a new system to prevent drones from dropping contraband deliveries onto prison yards. And we we had Stony Mountain Prison uh, express some concerns, I believe it was last year, talking about how drones are increasingly being seen over the prison, dropping everything from cell phone to drugs. Wow. And so the Federal Correctional Service of Canada says it's been alarmed by many of these recent cases of these forbidden items being dropped into the prison. And so they're establishing kind of a pilot project for six prisons, which will include Stony Mountain a pilot project with for six prisons over the next four years, which will basically basically be a deterrent, some sort of anti-drone device to find a way to stop these drones. From coming on to prison property,
0: yeah. Like, so, what would you need like a like a jammer or uh, like I'm 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 picturing sort of like a perimeter defense system, and I realize that's not you know they're not going to arm the prison walls with guns to shoot down drones that approach or what have you. But you know maybe there's some sort of a technology like we have cell phone jamming technology that exists. Maybe there's something that can disrupt a drone and and bring it down. Before it goes in, or maybe at the very least, just some kind of a radar or a sensor that Mm -hmm. alerts the prison that something has crossed into uh, the the surrounding airways, so to speak.
1: We reached out to correctional services about this because I I was just fascinated by the idea, the lengths that, I mean, I I guess I should never be surprised at the length a criminal will go to do anything, Mm -hmm. But the, using this technology to drop stuff onto the prison, and they said that it's not that they're that concerned about drugs. They have no evidence to show these drone sighting, sightings have increased the presence of drugs, but they have dropped other things into the prison yard. And so they've been using everything from you know searches of staff and visit, visitors to— dogs scanners and all that kind of stuff to make sure that that guests or visitors aren't bringing thing in or even staff potentially i can imagine but as for what this detection or deterrent advice will look like all they're saying is they're spending about six million dollars over the next three years and they will put the drone detection system into each institution to cut down on this you could put a fence over top could you not like some sort of chicken wire
0: like right over top of everything over the yard I guess so. Maybe, maybe that's something they'll have to consider doing, Um, because that way, if something they were to try to drop something, then it would, it would be stopped. Mm -hmm. But then, who goes up and retrieves that? Like, how do you pick that up off of the?
1: Fair enough. Yeah, I was just thinking of the, uh, the aggressiveness of somebody to be in a bush, flying a drone, dropping it, flying that drone back. You know, all the risk that you put on yourself to drop like a contraband cell phone.
0: Yeah. It's it's funny how how people have found ways to use the drones both for good and bad. Right. We've talked about it before how one application where I love the way that they've been able to use drones is for camera work. Absolutely. The camera work that drones now provide, it's been, I don't want to say like, I hate using the term game changing, but for TV and movies, for example, some of the stuff you see from drone photography, you never would have been able to get with uh, conventional stuff. But then you have situations like this where people have taken this technology and used it for nefarious purposes.
1: Yeah. I personally love it in when I see it for also news stories because it allows you to fly over you know, we've seen tsunamis or earthquakes and you can't get into that zone to assess the danger and see what's happening to so the drone. It's not just useful just for the beautiful pictures it generates, but for information, right? You fly over and go, Oh, okay, that's the source of the problem or the oil spill or what have you. What I what I hate about drones is the ones that fly over my yard. <laughs> With, and I, I'm i only assuming there's cameras on them, but I think I was telling you how I was in the hammock a few weeks ago, and all yep. of a sudden this dr- drone comes flying over, and I'm just like, I'm trying to relax here, man. Are you watching me? Who's watching me? It's probably just some poor kid.
0: Did the drone hover? Oh, yeah. Like it stopped it hovers. and hovered?
1: It used to hover a few summers ago, and then we bought the boys slingshots. <laughs> Really? I <laughs> think yeah, they're not good enough at them to get them high enough. But it did seem to make me think there was a camera on this particular drone because as soon as we pulled out anything that would like, it was like a modern family episode where Phil yep. like shoots at them with the water hose. Yep. So that we'd pull out the slingshots and all of a sudden the drone would take off. So I was like, you do see me.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. I don't know what I'm teaching our children.
0: Did you buy them slingshots specifically to bring down the drone? I'm
1: not going to answer that question.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like what if the drone would to come down... <laughs> On your property. I
1: don't know. It's mine. Yeah. There has to be, I don't mean finders keepers, but there has to be just some sort of
0: rule about that. Well, and I guess if the drone were to come down in your yard, you could just step on it and say, oh, the the, the drone just fell. A bird must have hit it or something hit it from behind wherever the camera is on this thing. And I I had nothing to do with it. So good for you. I wish I always wanted a slingshot. Where does one get a slingshot? I a actually like have no. I
1: actually think they. I'm joking here. I don't remember why we have them. Like if we bought them around that same time, or if someone gave them as a gift. But it was con- they were conveniently there. Yeah. Right around this time frame. They I, don't. They don't shoot very far.
0: So you've tried the slingshot? Yeah. Did, did, it's you, fun. I I've, I I've, I would be the person who like gets it wrong and it goes sort in of your face. Hits me in the we face. We bought
1: the boys at uh, f- this year too. They got slingshots for snowballs a snowball slingshot and it didn't go it was not it's like basically what happens when you have kids you buy the things you wish you could have had when you're younger and you're like oh this would have been so good i would have gotten my brother so bad with this it wasn't as amazing as we had hoped
0: wow i want a snowball slingshot now and a regular slingshot we really want you to hear it because it's just incredible powerful stuff from a 12 year old in colorado
1: yeah, and this has to do, we're talking about active school shooter training and sort of preparing for that thing you hope never happens, that your kids never have to put that training in use. And I think more and more in the States they're realizing that this this active shooter training is a, is a possible reality for so many of those schools. And so we know this week nine students were injured, one killed when two shooters walked, walked into a school in Denver, Colorado. And you can only imagine the fear that we'd all feel in that moment. But we want to let this 12-year-old... Nate Holly, he's a sixth grader, explain what he was thinking in that moment. Here he is. It CNN. was incredibly
6: scary during it, and um, at least half the kids in my class broke into tears when it started happening. It was incredibly scary, and their teacher had us hide in the closet.
0: Oh.
1: Can you... I, I would have been so, so scared. And can I just say you are so brave to be standing there with me today, and I, I so... I am I am
6: in awe of you. Can you take me back to yesterday and tell me what happened? So I have I have um, some sensitive I have sensitive ears. So um, they shot out the doors and I heard the gunshots and I just kind of froze. And then the siren came on and our teacher um, and somebody started cracking a joke. And um, and the teacher told them to shut up and then she had us hide behind her desk. And when the shooter got closer, she moved us into the closet. Um, I was hiding in the corner, and they were right outside the door. Um, I had my hand on the uh, metal baseball bat, just in case, because I was going to go down fighting if I was going to go down.
1: You were going to go down fighting with a baseball bat. Uh, Nate, and again, how old are you? I'm 12
6: and I'm 12.
0: So Brooke Baldwin was the CNN host who was talking to young Nate Hawley and a couple of, well, a whole range of emotions going through her head, I'm sure. Uh, she was, she had to stop herself a couple of times there because she was speechless. She was throwing her hands in the air. You could see she was on the verge of tears. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, Loren, exasperation as well.
1: Well, stunned. Like, I, I've i heard, i Watched that clip last night. I sent it to you and said we should, we should talk about this tomorrow. So I've heard it like, I think that's my sixth or seventh time, and I have tears in my own eyes right now because you're trying to imagine a grade six kid in his cute little high voice, right? I mean, he's, he's not a teenager even trying to think about how am I going to save myself or others. And uh, I think she just, I think the anchor in that moment was startled just by the idea of the emotion of that, what that kid would be feeling and then trying to reiterate, okay, so you're 12. This is where we're putting our 12-year-olds in the United States in that situation where they'd be feeling I have no one else is protecting me, so here
0: I go. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, it was a student who helped end the carnage in that school. Here's Jay Gray.
4: We're here in classroom 105.
0: Gunfire explodes
5: inside this suburban Denver school.
4: There's more gunshots coming from the office.
5: Students scrambling as two classmates armed with pistols open fire.
2: I need medical here, ASAP.
5: Nine students are hit, including 18-year-old Kendrick Castillo, who died as he and two other students charged one of the shooters.
6: The next thing I know, he's pulling a gun and he's telling nobody to move. And that's when Kendrick lunged at him and he shot Kendrick.
5: Castillo, being remembered as a hero, his life taken, just three days before his graduation.
0: Text message we received earlier this morning from Justin at 204-780-6868. I usually have something to say. As a father of two little girls, I'm in full-blown tears. What a strong little boy. Sorry, guys, I just can't even call in on this. And then we got more feedback from somebody who says, as a grandma of three in middle and high school, it breaks my heart to hear someone my Bella's age Talk about hiding in a closet with a bat ready to fight Mm -hmm. for their lives. The saddest part is it's no longer the lead story in the news. It's the third story in. It's become an everyday thing. They just don't get it down there. Some amendment that was written a long time ago is more important than the future.
1: Here's something that's even more frightening. Uh, NBC reporting this morning that the kid who jumped off his desk in his literature class, Kendrick Castillo, and helped disarm that shooter, his dad had actually had conversations with his son in years past saying, quote, you don't have to be a hero, saying that he talked to his kid because that's what they're thinking as parents in the States, that that this is a possible scenario, not just possible, but, but in some communities, maybe more real than others, and that he had actually discussed with his son what you should do if he was ever confronted by a gunman and he tried to tell his kid don't be a hero and and in the end, his kid was.
0: Yeah, so you can continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868. Uh, we will also, you, you often also hear the rhetoric, well, maybe we need to arm teachers or mm-hmm. arm the schools. Pat saying putting guns in schools is not the be-all, end-all. That just gives the NRA more clout to sell their guns. Teachers are there to teach. Schools need properly trained guards. McGarry, McNabb, and Mr. Anderson. Hal Anderson is here. Question of the day at cjob.com. Which summer perk would you like to have at your job? So far, the results are 75% say leave work early on Fridays, 25% flexible schedule, and then so far no votes for relaxed dress code or more activities like a staff picnic. And you can log on to cjob.com and cast your vote for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204 832 But Hal, before we talk about that, yes, you've just stumbled ac- uh, across a term And the world of dating that you've not yet heard and that we haven't heard either.
7: You haven't heard it, eh? Because I feel like maybe I'm out out to lunch on this. Maybe it's been around for a while, but it's a a term in the dating world called benching. And this is where they're still on the team. This is men and women, let's face it, right? Yeah, Yeah. You're still on the team. (laughs) You just might not be starting, but you're still in the rotation. And you
1: tell the person in your life, I've benched you.
7: I don't see how that would go well. No, I don't. No, I, I, don't, don't. I don't think so. I so think it this would be is, more
1: like, a, no, I benched her or I benched him for now. I think
7: maybe you, you would say to Tell your, your buddies. buddies or your girlfriends, yeah. you'd say, yeah, he's, you know, he's, I have benched him. He might come in in a pinch, you know? Yeah. I
1: don't know. Well, I in just, the context
0: I'm, of sports, I mean, you got to have a strong bench. You do. <laughs> they hand out yes. awards for it in the NBA. Yeah. Hey, Six man award.
1: It's dating. It's not, you're not, you're not, exactly. you're not committed to that exactly. one person. Yes. But you maybe go down a rabbit hole of other terms that I wish I had known 20 years ago, like submarining. <laughs> like, you've been sub, like you've been submarined. You know, you know, when you say you've been ghosted where the person disappears? Well, the submarine term, according to this website, is when that person leaves and goes, you know, like underwater water for a long time, and then suddenly it resurfaces without like, without acknowledging that they've been away well, for all this time, and, and I, you've been submarined. And I
7: heard another one, you mentioned ghosting. I think the term I saw the other day is gradual ghosting. Oh. This is where you continue to communicate, but not very much. Only when you have to, right? <laughs> so if you were talking to this person every day or every couple days, all of a sudden it becomes once a week, and then once every couple of weeks... Gradual ghosting. Wow. <laughs>
1: there's so many. I, there's another one, situationship. So, okay,
7: yeah. okay, what's a so
0: situationship? So you're in a
1: rom- romantic relationship, but right. due to your circumstances, you can't commit but you have an interest in each other, so you're not yeah. in a relationship, you're in a situationship. Right. Because due to your life situation, mm-hmm. you can't, <laughs> I'm not all in on this. This is more of a situationship. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love this, How
7: it's, It is interesting, uh, because back in the day, I mean, I'm in, you know, I just turned 55. We didn't have all these terms, but, but now they But, but you
1: had that experience.
7: Absolutely. Right. In some way or another, yeah. we just didn't have a label for it. Yeah. 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 There's
0: labels for everything now. There's There's something that I've just learned is called an Uber radius. That's where you determine someone's desirability <laughs> based on the distance between he, where he or Sorry. she lives and
7: where you live,
0: oh right? Well, yeah. sure.
1: The, the booty call then becomes more, you know. Well, yeah. they're they're in Uber it's radius. It's two
7: thirty in the morning. I'm not going to go all the way to T town. I'm not going to Transcona <laughs> today. You
1: now, know, this
7: we did not have growing up. We did not have Uber
1: radius. Oh, I love it.
0: Uh, here's a Sunday test determining someone's compatibility based on whether you would enjoy spending a Sunday with them doing absolutely nothing. Yeah,
7: Sundays. Okay. A Different day, it is. Yeah, it's
1: also more of a mature day. Like you're not as free. Yeah, right. So then it'd be if you can make it through a Sunday. Right, you might not be in a situationship anymore. Maybe in a relationship.
7: Yeah. You might have to bench that person. You
0: might have to bench somebody else on your team. I love
7: this. Yeah.
0: Uh, So before you go here, Hal, as far as the the summer perks go, which would you be able to pick? And I think our jobs don't necessarily apply to this because, you know, we don't have the conventional sort of office hours. But leave work Fridays early, flexible schedule, relaxed dress code, or more activities like a staff picnic. Jeff Braun suggested the slip and slide. The slip and slide
7: is a great idea. Even Jackie this morning said, I like the slip and slide idea. She heard the slip and slide idea. I like the slip and slide. I think the reason you're not getting votes right now at CGOB.com for more relaxed dress code or activities is because I think that's already kind of worked into a lot of the workplaces, right?
6: Especially
1: on Fridays, I think.
7: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like flexible schedules. I think if you can work something out with your boss where the work gets done... And, you know, I come in a little late one day or leave a bit early. I think that's great. If you can work that as a, you know, Loren, as a parent. Yes. Uh, even I was if you, doing
1: it this week. I was trying for even that, Even if right? you
7: don't have kids, I think that's huge. And as long as get, work gets done, who cares, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Plus, the, my dress code got really lax. Yes. I worked just as hard, uh-huh. but there was zero dress code.
7: As you were talking about being in your, your pajamas, I envisioned you in a plaid <laughs> onesie. Oh, with uh, how, furry feet.
1: I can only wish for a plaid onesie. If anybody wants to get me a plaid onesie, I'd be all in on that. I love it. I like it's, I like slippers. I yeah. like comfy pajamas. Yeah. yeah.
0: The <laughs> only problem with the onesie is it makes it, they can be difficult if you have to, you know, yeah. use the mm-hmm. facilities. Well, mm-hmm. and
7: for you, it's a onesie. For me, it's a foursie, you know? <laughs>
0: McNabb, before we do anything here, I'm, I'm going to ambush you with this uh, mm-hmm. because I just, I feel like I have to. Uh, you, <laughs> you don't ha- you, have to. No, I do have to because <laughs> it kind of, it, t- it sort of ties in with the previous conversation we had about a onesie. Okay. And you're wearing a onesie of sorts. It's
1: not a onesie, today, but yes. Of yeah. sorts. What would you call it? Is it like a jumper? I, like a one jumpsuit? piece jump, jumper? A jumpsuit? Sure. I, I do like to be at a state of readiness for any plane exit, so I am wearing a jumpsuit. Okay. <laughs> But I think you're right. It is a jumpsuit. Okay. And it, um, you have, <laughs> it's very nice, <laughs> but it's hard to get out of. Yep. And so I was saying to you that I, in with concern of how we, my ability to get out of it quickly enough, I haven't visited the ladies room all morning.
0: Yeah. And, and, you, and you were, you were like, you're dancing. You're doing a little <laughs> dance. You had to go. I don't know what my
1: plan is because eventually I have to go somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're here for a few more hours still with work. So, yes, you had finally said you have seven minutes. See what you can do. And then you congratulated me because I was back on time and I informed you that it's not all on properly <laughs> as I sit here. So, <laughs> I, this is the first time I've ever worn this. So I I may never wear a jumpsuit again. Really? jump jump Jumper? Romper? I don't, I don't romper. know.
0: I don't know. I don't wear anything like that. I guess the point is uh, I salute you. And I sometimes it's moments like this where I wonder, like, I just don't know how... Women do it sometimes with the things you go through to look nice. Yes. To, the idea of me wearing an outfit that I couldn't get out of, like even the first <laughs> I time get I out put of it, on but it, but
1: I need minutes.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I mean. You can yeah. you can get out of it, of course, but it takes. Great, way more effort than what I require to to take care of that sort of business. But the one time I I did get a onesie, I got a couple of years ago. I did this thing with uh, a company called Hoodie. It was Hoodie Footie by Pajama gram and I got this this big sort of sweatpants hoodie onesie thing with like full on with like feet mm-hmm. on it. And uh, the first time I I had to go to the washroom, I thought. This whole thing's got to come off, mm-hmm. and I hadn't thought about that. Right. So, I, but I would, I would, I would never face my or be faced with a situation like that at work or in public. Cause I don't know.
1: Could you still have it? You could wear it tomorrow, casual Friday.
0: I, I guess I could. I I did wear it at work. I'd when like I first to got encourage it. you
1: to wear it to work tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to wear the why the, not the hoodie footy from pajamas. It is very comfortable. 4G? Maybe if it was cold, do it. If it yeah. was cold, do it. Wow. Look at this, the support for the Hoodie Footie. I guess text us, should I wear the Hoodie Footie from Pajamagram? Text us 204-780-6868. So what is happening? There's an interesting recommendation here, Loren, that you found from the Canadian Pediatric Society.
1: Yeah, I'd like to get people's thoughts on this. It's talking about the idea that for many, uh, particularly women and young women, the cost of birth control can be prohibitive, mm-hmm. or you might be in a community where you don't feel comfortable going to go to that store to purchase, say, condoms or things like that. And so they're recommending that all contraceptives be covered under provincial, territorial or federal health plans at no cost until age 25. And they should also provide that health ministry should provide, you know, say condoms at no cost to community-based community health care services so they could just hand them out to youth at different community centers. So I'd love to hear. We'll put some calls out to the health ministry here on this idea. But basically they're saying like, look, you know, teen pregnancy is still a big issue, not to mention as dis and all the rest uh, what can we do to crack down on those well make it free
0: yeah I think that's a good idea and I know that there will be people who say well this will just encourage young people to have more sex but they're going to do it regardless and I think that the, that's the mistake that that we as grown-ups sometimes make we we forget what it was like to be young people and you can't stop young people from doing things that they're going to do and I don't I, and I think sometimes Making it easier to do it almost—I di- don't want to say discourages them—but by removing the taboo from things can make it less. Like, I think what I'm trying to say is, you want to do something because you know you shouldn't, or because right. it's because it's sure. looked down upon.
1: I don't think kids are having uh, aren't are choosing not to have sex because they don't have a condom handy. I think they still go ahead and make that choice, and then it's a more dangerous choice.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. And then, uh, but what? So, is it just condoms that would be? Covered so they've be talking
1: this? about uh, things like birth control or condoms, and then they're also suggesting a, like any a pill, like a birth control pill. And uh, there's also a suggestion that they should create, or recommendation rather, that they should create a mechanism for pharmacists to identify a youth insurance provider. So, say you're underage and your parents have that plan. Is there a way, if it's not going to be free, can you go to your pharmacist and ask for the birth control without your parents knowing? that you asked for it, right? It Mm. still has to be provided to you by a pharmacist, but is there a way to do it so that you can get that without it being an issue? Because some people might not be doing it because they don't want to tell their mom and dad, or you could also be in, um, I've heard people when they grow up in small towns, right? They just choose not to go buy any of those things because the only place to get it from is the store, who's then maybe going to tell your dad that you just purchased that item, right?
0: Yeah. What does it cost? to? I mean, I know what a box of condoms costs, but what about things like birth control pills, or an IUD. Do you have any idea what those things? Looking cost? that
1: up right now. I genuinely don't know. It can be about fifty bucks a month, depending on the type, according to kidshealth.org.
0: Oh yeah, so that that's a lot, and that mm-hmm. that is a prohibitive cost, especially for, uh, you know, a teenage girl or a young sure. woman.
1: I see them ranging anywhere from twenty five to fifty bucks a month, but that's a lot. That's a lot for people uh, to you to to dish out. I don't know. I don't know if the government is going to choose to want to take responsibility for this because of because of not because of the message but I think the cost well, will be one thing that, that they'll say, well, I don't we don't want to be part of that.
0: Yeah, well what do you think?
1: I I think it's a great idea. I think we I don't think it's going to encourage more sex. It might control things like teen pregnancies, it might control diseases um and I think that there is an argument to be made that the more healthy decisions someone can make, the better decisions you're going to make.
0: Yeah. And in terms of cost as well, you would think that by helping with this, it could end up saving money down the road, right? Whether it's the cost of health care for somebody dealing with, as you pointed out on STI, or for a teenage pregnancy, a lot of times these young people might end up requiring assistance from government uh, to help with that. So I don't know. I, th- I think that there there is a benefit t- to this, and we would love to hear your feedback at 204-780-6868. Wayne are texting us saying free. Someone's got to pay for it. Young sure. people want everything for free.
1: Sure. Well, they're not asking for it. I mean, they might be somewhere, but this is a recommendation from the Canadian Pediatric Society for a no-cost contraceptive program that would allow underage teens and youth and people under 25, conf- confidential access to contraceptives. I think it's a conversation worth having.
0: We're also getting texts on the uh, the hoodie footy.
1: Yes. Thank you. I can only hope so.
0: So uh, one of our listeners says, if you don't wear it, I'll stop listening forever. <sighs> now, the gauntlet has been laid down. I have to, it looks like I have to wear the hoodie footy. I'm just, I think what's going to happen is I'm going to try to just ghost this whole thing. Uh, or or submarine it or something. If you
1: submarine it, it just comes back to the surface at some point. You could yeah. ghost it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, well, I gotta try to ghost this then I'll just I'll just say yes and then I'll come in tomorrow and hope that nobody remembered.
1: No. I will remember. I will never forget now. Fortier, just put it down in some sort of alarm system where it just comes up all the time. It's right here in my brain. Thank you. Well and that's even
0: we there. That's good, uh Fortier, because uh
1: Come on, what would be the harm of you were yeah. in the hoodie footy tomorrow? I want to see this. <laughs>
0: I don't want to wear the hoodie Funny. Uh, one of our listeners is well texting, there are places for teenagers to go for free, free birth control. I can't remember the names. Uh, my niece's mother wouldn't let her, so she came to me. Better than an unexpected pregnancy. Sure. Her mom was 16 when she had her. I think the women's clinic.
1: Yeah, you, there, oh, for sure there's places to go for um, everything from condoms to, I'm not sure about actually birth control pills or the... Uh, intrauterine methods right but for sure you can go get condoms if you think about in rural communities though that's really hard uh if it was handed out how could could you control that better in remote areas it's hard to have a clinic to walk to so it's not as accessible to everybody there's great programs out there but not everybody can get to them
0: and jay says morning guys that's such a crock of crap. I was young and of course I remember what it was like. But I took steps with my partner so we wouldn't get pregnant. Also I grew up in a small town and we just drove to Brandon to get what we needed. This is just another form of taking away the responsibility of the ones making the choice to have sex. Well, they would
1: still have to be responsible to use it. You can provide it doesn't mean someone's going to use it. Yeah. I mean, you hear like like what's a condom cost like I don't know if you can buy them singularly, but you know. Well,
0: it some places they have like those vending machines at right. bars, so like a buck, yeah.
1: or something like that. Like I don't, I don't necessarily think you can give it and and problem solved. Yeah, you still have to be responsible and say, well, now I'm going to use it.
0: Yeah, and the, and as well, the even doctors will tell you, well, a condom isn't necessarily the best way to go, uh, because it's not a hundred percent foolproof.